you better believe there are gatekeepers in the so-called African-American community. And that's not always a good thing. Let's get into it. Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to hate your own kind? Who taught you to hate the race that you belong to? So much so that you don't want to be around each other. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world. Black people. Shalom, 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 family. Welcome again to another episode of Jacob Seed Podcast, where the diaspora speaks. The whole purpose and the tenor of this podcast is to get uplifting, encouraging, thought-provoking content out to the African-American community who are part of the Semitic diaspora. I thank each and every one of you for listening to um, this episode and all the many episodes that we have available for you. Um, If you didn't know, there's uh, almost a year and a half worth of of episodes that you can listen to um you can go to whatever wherever you listen to your podcast and get those episodes you can go to jacobseed.com all those episodes are there for you there as well listen i want to thank all of my supporters whether it's monetarily whether you just listen and share and tell your friends and your family about us if you follow us on on instagram at jacobseed12 i thank you i thank you i thank you for all of your support listen continue to support us here at jacobseed podcast because um, it is, it, it does not go unnoticed. We definitely, definitely appreciate it. We definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate it. Um, let's get right into uh, this episode. As I said on the last uh, bonus episode, so this is another bonus episode. Um, and the last bonus episode, you you heard the voice of the brother from Truth Unedited um, talking about who are these um, Prince Hall Freemasons, right? So now we're going to go a step further and we're going to talk about the Black Boule. All right. So the society that kind of is a gatekeeper of our community. Um, And like I said in the intro, that's not always a good thing. Okay, that's not always a good thing, because what these brothers and sisters have done is they have uh, set themselves up uh, to be uh, kind of the house Negro. Um, If I could say it bluntly, the house Negro um, and everybody else that's not a part of their little society have become field Negroes. And we don't even know it. Um, So the system of slavery still exists today, uh, but a lot of us, unbeknownst to ourselves, are just well-paid slaves, and we're still stuck in this system of slavery here in this place. This was a prophecy in Scripture um, that we would be uh, sent back to Egypt again in ships, uh, that we would be in the land of our oppressors. Um, And believe it so, just because we have all this social um, justice reform stuff talking and criminal reform, and we've had the uh, what I call the summer of 2020 going on with the with the start of the death of of George Floyd. And we have the NBA touting Black Lives Matter and um, they're trying to push for uh, black woman entrepreneurs and um, they're they're, they're, there. All this money that's being funneled to HBCUs. Uh, uh, Believe believe me. So this has never, ever happened in the history of this country ever. Ever. So I'm kind of skeptical of what's going on because I believe, and I could be wrong because I'm not arrogant enough to believe that I'm right about everything. I could be wrong, but I believe they're using the African-American, the so-called black community as a Trojan horse uh, to push agendas that they want to push out. 
It would be no different from what happened in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s with the Civil Rights Act. They used the Civil Rights Act for their ultimate agenda uh, for homosexuality, for pedophilia, and everything else um, that, that goes on that they try to push into civil rights now today and what they call civil rights issues. Um, but nonetheless, um, I am not an expert on uh, Prince Hall Freemasonry, nor am I an expert on uh, the Black Boule. But this brother, Truth Unedited, um, I don't know if he's an expert, but he's done a lot of research. So I'm not one type to in reinvent the wheel, um, nor am I uh, uh, prideful enough to believe that only the only truth is coming from Jacob C. Podcast or the only knowledge are knowledgeable brothers and sisters out there. Um, and this brother from Truth Unedited happens to be one of them. Um, so without further ado, I will, uh, as they say, yield my time uh, to the brother Truth Unedited um, and listen to what he's talking about the gatekeepers. I believe this is very, very, very important uh, for us to understand and to get, uh, not for us to uh, be separate from one another, but again, as I say, to expose darkness, expose darkness. Every Hebrew, let me say this before I, I let him uh, talk, every Hebrew um, in the scriptures were not for Elohim. They were not for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were as a bloodline. Yes, they were Hebrews. They were Israelites. But that does not mean that they worshiped Yahuwah. And we've seen countless, whether that's Korah and Dathan, uh, whether that's um, uh, uh, Judas, uh, whoever it may be, whether it's the brothers and sisters that were uh, in, in the book of the Maccabees, they did not worship Yah, nor were they for their own people. Because of their own greediness, their own pride, um, um, their own selfish ambitions, uh, they were willing um, to sacrifice their own um, to get where they wanted to get to. And that system, that idea did not die when the, uh, when the canon was closed on the Bible. It still exists today. Um, so let's talk about it um, through the voice of the brother uh, Truth Unedited. Here we go. I'm sorry. Um, before we get to uh, the truth unedited part, I will say if you have not listened to the first bonus episode about Prince Hall Freemasonry, listen to that first because this episode will not make sense unless you listen to that episode first. Okay, now I'm for real. Let's get the, to, uh, to the brother truth unedited. Uh, yeah, no, that was still, you know what I'm saying. Man. We just can't let any person in here. If you want to be exclusive... Got to exclude people. So while we're in Black History Month, we have a difficult subject that needs to be spoken about. For the most part, if you watch my videos or are slightly awake to the lies of this world that we are born into, then secret societies are not a big shocker to you. And we can mostly correlate a majority of the agendas going on in this world with the different secret societies. Some are very well known and heard of like the Freemasons or Skull and Bones, though we don't know a great deal about them besides what they allow others to know or what insiders have revealed and exposed. But there are many others, some that are high up in the food chain or hierarchy of dominance that are not even known of by the majority. Most people have never even heard of them, though they have yielded a great deal of influence. And this topic that I'm about to discuss will discuss one of these least known societies, and though in the grand hierarchy of this pyramid, they are not very high in importance. In the black community though, in America, they are extremely high and most black people have never even heard of them. They are the gatekeepers of the black community. And if you do not understand them, you will have so many false beliefs and attitudes of black America, our struggle, civil rights, and many other subjects that will not be corrected if they are not understood. 
Now, though we're talking about a subject that targets a specific race, this is not a racial issue. Regardless of your race, you must understand this group because they have been used secretly against the population. Yes, their sphere of influence and their target market was and is the black community in America, possibly around the world. Though I would admit my research hasn't taken me that far yet. But if you are paying attention to the agendas being carried out today, you can see that this is understanding everyone should have. Whoever you are, you have to understand this group. You must understand the Black Boulet. Let's begin. Okay, so I have had this topic on my heart for a while now. A little while ago, I started preparing this video. I realized I couldn't talk about this subject without laying foundations. You can't talk about the Boulet without understanding Prince Hall Freemasonry, which is why I made that other video. It's on my website. But then I knew I couldn't talk about Prince Hall without discussing Freemasonry and what it was, which is why that video was made first. This information must be understood and peeled back in layers. So if you not watched those videos, please go back and watch those videos before you proceed with this one. There may be information you are missing that doesn't completely allow you to connect all the dots. Now, before I get into the breakdown of what the Black Boulet is, we need to go back in time. Let's go back to the times of slavery. During the times of slavery, we had plantations. This was large farms in the colonies of America that used the enforced labor of slaves to harvest crops like cotton, rice, indigo, sugar, tobacco, and other farm produce for trade and export around the world. This trade and export was how America was built. On this plantation, we had two different classes or groups of people. We had the masters and the slaves. There was no crossing between these classes. A master never became a slave and a slave never became a master. Well, that's not entirely true. Eventually there were slaves that became slave owners, but I don't want to get off point. I'm talking about the majority. I'm not going to talk too much about the masters, but more about the slaves. To keep the slaves in line and know exactly what the slaves were thinking or plotting, the masters needed help. They needed allies within the ranks of slaves. So in the slave class, they created two other classes. There were the regular slaves and then the house slaves, the house Negroes, which really is known by another word that I will not use. The house slaves were taken in the house, given better food and accommodations. They were treated better and were more aligned with the slave masters than they were with their own people. They were used by the slave masters to keep the slaves in line. The slave masters might not have been able to keep the slaves in line without the house slaves. It even became a goal for some of the slaves to be able to come inside and become house slaves themselves. Now on top of that, the slave masters but also have babies with the house slaves. They would never be equal, but they were not the bottom class slaves that had nothing and had to work outside eating the scraps. I think you get the picture. And I think for the most part, everyone should understand what the house slaves were. Now, here's the question I want you to think about. After slavery, and after they reprogrammed the slaves to believe that they were free, do you think that the position of house slave went away? Do you think that the slave masters those that were running and building this country did away with this house slave position that allowed them to keep tabs and control of the black community by just controlling a small few of them? The answer should be no. 
But here's the problem. Whether you ever thought about that question or not, you probably have not been exposed to the how. You might just call out a few names that you've seen on television that were obviously cooning and say that's what a modern house slave is. But you probably still have not been fully exposed to the real answer. And that's what we're going to talk about. Here's the irony and obvious reprogramming of today. During the times of slavery, though there were a few slaves that wanted to become house slaves, the majority of the slaves despised the house slaves. They did not trust or like them. Now, fast forward to our current modern times. Today, we praise the house slaves and they are now our heroes. It's because we have been reprogrammed and reconditioned to love and accept our chains. And our goals are now to get in the house instead of breaking free. It's really deep and scary. Now, if you watched that video that broke down Prince Hall Freemasonry, you already have a good understanding of how the separation began and what started. But it did not stop at Prince Hall Freemasonry. Within the ranks of the Masons were an educated bourgeois class of black men that looked at themselves as elite compared to the rest of the other Masons. They wanted to be separated and distinguished from all the other Masons. And the ruling class of America, the elite families that are still the unseen hands of this world, needed a source of recruitable Negroes to assist them with their plan to assimilate the Negroes into this new world that they were building. So from that need, there was a new subsection of the underground world of Negroes that was made to be the gatekeepers of Black America. On their website, yes, they do have a website, they say this about themselves. Sigma Pi Phi fraternity is also known as the Boule, which in ancient Greece was a council of chiefs. The meaning of the words Sigma Pi Phi, the titles given to its members and their wives, its officers, and the names of its local units are derived from Greek history and tradition as well. In its early years, Sigma Pi Phi could be viewed as a secret organization that consciously avoided publicity. It was not until 1982 that the fraternity adopted a policy of limited and selective publicity. Although no longer secret, today it can be described as a fraternity that exists with little fanfare and one that actively seeks to improve the lives of the citizens in the communities in which the members are associated through its social action and public policy programs and initiatives. From its founding in 1904, with six members in the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sigma Pi Phi fraternity has deliberately grown slowly as the emphasis has always been on quality and not quantity. Yet, it currently has nearly 5,000 active members who are affiliated with 134 member boules in cities across the breadth of this nation and in Nassau, the Bahamas, and London, the United Kingdom. It has welcomed and continues to welcome into its fraternal bond some of the most distinguished men in the world. Its members have included such men as W.E.B. Du Bois, Carter G. Woodson, Martin Luther King Jr., Benjamin E. Mays, Ralph J. Bunch, James Weldon Johnson, Charles R. Drew, Daniel Hale Williams, Percy L. Julian, Charles H. Wesley, Oliver W. Hill, Paul R. Williams, John Hope Franklin, A. Leon Higginbotham, Ulysses K., Arna Bonteps, Arthur Ashe, 
David H. Blackwell, Robert C. Weaver, Ronald H. Brown, and the list goes on and on. Its past, as well as its present members, have been and are leaders in the struggle for civil rights, social justice, economic and educational equality, and in the implementation of public policy and healthcare initiatives that aid our underserved communities. And that's what they tell you on their website. They have apparently taken this fact off of their website, but in Boulé member Charles Wesley's book, History of Sigma Pi Phi, a book that I will be quoting from often in this video. In the book, when speaking about the founder, Henry Minton, who I will speak on more briefly, Wesley writes this about Minton. His dream and ambition were to organize a Greek letter fraternity and to have its members not to be selected on the basis of brains alone, but in addition to congeniality, culture, and good fellowship, that they should have behind them a record of accomplishment, not merely be men of promise and good education. In summary, Minton wanted to create an organization which would partake, in his own words, of the tenets of Skull and Bones at Yale and Phi Beta Kappa. Yeah, so you can see now in this age of information why they would have removed that from their site. If you remember, Skull and Bones was a secret society that both George Bush and John Kerry claimed to be part of in the 2004 presidential election. You were both in Skull and Bones, the secret society. It's so secret we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go watch. I'm sure they are. I don't know. I haven't seen the web. Number 322? Two, two. <laughs> uh, first of all, he's not the nominee. And, uh, but, uh, look, I look forward... Are you prepared to lose? No, I'm not going to lose. You both were members of Skull and Bones, a secret society at Yale. What does that tell us? Uh, not much, because it's a secret. <laughs> Is there a they were in the same secret society, but could not tell us anything about it. Wikipedia says this about the secret society. And no, Wikipedia should never be your first source of information, but it's a good quote. Skull and Bones, also known as the Order, Order 322, or the Brotherhood of Death, is an undergraduate senior secret student society at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. It is one of the big three societies at Yale, the other two being Scroll and Key, a Wolf's Head Society. Now, we don't need to know much more, but understanding the underworkings of this world, it says a lot that the Boule wanted to create an organization that partakes in the tenets of the Brotherhood of Death. But let's focus on what we do know. Everyone has heard of the Alphas, the Kappas, Omegas, Sigmas, Deltas, AKAs, etc. Especially if you went to an HBCU like me. But one thing that is not spoken of is the first black Greek letter fraternity. Across America's colleges, when at the time you can say they were predominantly white institutions of higher learning, all of those institutions had their Greek college fraternal organizations in much earlier periods. But in the black community, these organizations were not undertaken until after the 1900s. Now, if you hear people speak of their fraternities and sororities, they love to talk about the history and how old they are. But the one thing that is not spoken on is if these people were just freed only 40 years ago before their organization was created, where did they get this knowledge of Greek letter fraternities from? The Greek letter fraternities obviously was not original. 
and was emulated from other organizations that came before them. Organizations that held membership of some of the same people that enslaved them. <laughs> like, where do you think your Greek fraternity influence comes from, bruh? But we can talk about all that later. Let's talk some history. Bear with me, please. Sigma Pi Phi was the first black Greek letter fraternity before all the more widely known fraternities in the black community were created. Now, like we know from the video before this, the black man at this time was on the rise, due mainly to the rise of Prince Hall Freemasonry. During the beginning of the 20th century, the early 1900s, there were established Negro professionals. By the beginning of the year 1900, the total number of Negro college graduates had been increased to 7,488. The majority of this group had come from the Southern colleges, although there was an important minority who had graduated from Northern colleges. After these men who held bachelor's degree, the number of graduate and professional degrees was relatively much smaller. The census of 1900 showed that the Negro population was steadily building an improved economic, educational, and social status. One of the areas in the country that this status was improving in was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you remember in the last video, I told you to remember this city. This was the city that the second or third Prince Hall Masonic Lodge created in the country. Anyways, the city of Philadelphia ranked high in the list of those giving work opportunities to the Negro population. Remember, Pennsylvania was a northern state, and the proportion of free blacks in Philadelphia before the Civil War was greater than in any other city in the north. In the year 1900, when counting black men, there were in a single ward of Philadelphia seven teachers, five lawyers, six physicians, 22 clergymen, and three dentists. This was the beginning of the rise of the Negro professional in America. There were three major socioeconomic Negro groups in Philly. The first was a small group of professional persons who were the physicians, dentists, lawyers, teachers, pastors, executives of business enterprises. A second group included the skilled and semi-skilled industrial workers and the larger number of domestic servants. And the third group was the vast majority, and they were comprised of the class that was considered unskilled laborers who were in poverty and had low income, living in congested areas of the cities, what we call ghettos. Here's an important point Wesley notes in his book. The lives of most of the two latter groups revolved around the church, the lodge, and the beneficial society. He says, during the last decade of the 19th century, there were 19 lodges of masons, six chapters of the Eastern Star, five commanderies, three of the Scottish Reich, and one drill corps. There were lodges of the Knights of Pythias, Oddfellows, Galilean Fishermen, and other important organizations based upon fraternal ties. Churches had been organized and had flourishing memberships and were influencing the people in the development of self-respect and self-support. The churches and lodges had property valued at over $1 million at the time. If you remember from the last video, Prince Hall Freemason Richard Allen created the AME Church in Philadelphia. It's important to connect all these dots so you completely understand how all this was going down. Now, I gave you all that information so you can understand what the times were like. 
it's important to understand all of it. Henry M. Minton, founder of Sigma Pi Phi, was educated and a professional. He had the first drugstore operated by Negroes in Philadelphia. He later became a doctor, graduating from Jefferson Medical College. There were Greek letter fraternities in the institutions which he had attended, but Negroes were excluded from their membership. At that time, no Greek letter fraternities had been organized by Negroes. Now the book says, Minton's ambition drove him to take leadership in the creation of a fraternity among men of like ideals and attributes and to build an affiliation of selected college men who had made achievements in their careers and their community. And this is when Sigma Pi Phi was created. Now, like I said, that's what the book says, but I believe the story is actually much deeper. I believe that he was actually approached by white men that gave him the opportunity to distinguish himself from the other Masons. But there's no record of this, so I can't speak this with assurance. Either way, Sigma Pi Phi was created. Now, the other black Greek organizations were created shortly after. The Divine Nine were catered to mostly undergrads, those obtaining bachelor's degrees. But Sigma Pi Phi, the oldest of all the Greek organizations, catered to the men in their post-college years. This fraternity was planned for men who were graduates of college and were engaged in professional activities in their communities. In Minton's words, there were many men in the community of good training, intelligence, and culture, and congeniality, who were not intimately acquainted with one another. For the good of themselves and the community, they should be gathered together in some kind of organization. So let me put that very simply. These men serve themselves. It's a common idea in the black community that many of us are like crabs in a barrel. No one can rise because we're always pulling each other down. These men should be credited with the creation of that condition in our community. But I digress. The historic birth date of Sigma Pi Phi is May 15th, 1904. This is their Founders Day. It was at this time the concept of Boulay was formed. Boulay, also known as the Council of the Chiefs, the leading noblemen, or the heads of families. The Boulay of Homeric times was a body of princes who were advisory to the king. The question we should ask ourselves is, who is this Boulay council and advisors to? History will show that they were advisors of dealing and keeping the black community in check. Yeah. Now, another word used more generally than boule was the word archon. They use that word often and is mainly a title for their members. They say this designation was a title given to the highest magistrate in Athens and many ancient Greek states. But in a simple search, like in the Britannica, you can see that in Gnosticism, archons are actually more like demons, fallen angels that are servants to the demiurge, Satan. The archons are tyrannical and limiting agencies who rule over humanity and creation in order to enhance their own self-importance and glory. Yeah, so the name is fitting on why they call themselves this, but they do not rule over humanity, just over the black community in America. Now, their books do not mention that they took orders from others in higher positions that were not necessarily in the community of race. But if you understand the underworld, you understand this is how it was. They said that they wanted to be like skull and bones 
and those societies all were under the leadership of the family bloodlines that held power over centuries. Now, I will stop with the history. If you want to know more about them, they are an important subject you should know and research. Ask a majority of your parents and grandparents about Sigma Pi Phi or the Boule, and I guarantee a majority of them would not know of them. They made sure that they were very secretive and under the radar. But though they were not very well known, they were the actual gatekeepers of the black community and the heights of success that we see in America today in the black community did not happen without them. And so as their influence and power spread secretly among the black community, they then became what we ultimately decided were our life goals without knowing the fraternity that our black leaders were associated with like Prince Hall Freemasonry and the Boule. We just knew about their success and they later became our standard and what we were trying to strive to be like. You see, here's the deal. When money, power, fame, and wealth are the primary drivers of our lives, it's very easy to implant those that have been given keys to the kingdom as our examples and who we would like to be like. It's because we're only looking at few things, the money, power, fame, and wealth. It's how Instagram models have become a center of influence in today's world. Early on in the boule, these men were included not only by their status and success, but also by their skin tone. Many of these men could also pass for white men, which made them able to be accepted easier amongst those in control. These are the founders of the boule. You've heard of the brown paper bag test. These were the actual men that were actually giving this brown paper bag test in the beginning. It's very deep. The white ruling class of the country made them very rich and offered them opportunities of education and status, which carried with it the tradition of the Western slash Eastern American civilization. Basically, they have freed the Negroes, but they needed a way to draw them into American culture instead of creating their own thing in America, which is what the black community tried to do. They tried to do their own thing. So after the white ruling class gained backing in the black community, through their Masonic fraternal organizations, they then got pickier and chose the ones that were going to be the examples for the black community to try to eventually emulate. After these men were solidified, then they create a civil rights campaign that teaches the black community to assimilate instead of set ourselves apart. The Boulet was tasked with many different roles and purposes. One of the first elite members of the Boulet was W.E.B. Du Bois. Du Bois is quoted as saying, the Boulet was to keep the professional blacks away from Garvey. Marcus Garvey started the grass movement. His idea was to make America start a settlement in Liberia to control rubber crops and other natural resources. One of Marcus Garvey's most famous quotes was, why should not Africa give to the world its black Rockefeller, Rothschild, and Henry Ford? Now is the opportunity. Now is the chance for every Negro to make every effort toward a commercial industrial standard that will make us comparable with the successful businessmen of other races. So obviously you can see that he was not a favorite of the elite. <laughs> now, around 1918, which were the early stages of Boule, Garvey's Back to Africa movement through his newspaper, The Negro World, was reaching over 1 million diasporic Africans, largely in North America, without TV or radio. The voice was tasked 
was stealing the black professionals from the influence of Garvey because, in short, it went against the ultimate agenda. So Du Bois established his Boulay chapter in New York and the rise of black civic organizations happened like the NAACP, the Urban League, and 100 Black Men. The main point I am making is that this elite class of black men who were extremely picky about who they included did not do their own bidding. These men were sold out to the satanic elite class already controlling America, and they were the house Negroes that regulated the black community all the way until we are now at the time when they are our heroes, yet we know nothing about their organization and the roles that they actually played. Those who secretly ran this country did not want the black community to turn to the most high, so they controlled their goals and agendas. Later, moving us to the civil rights movement, where Boulay member Michael King, mostly known as Martin Luther King Jr., helped bring the final jab and exclamation point to their agenda of assimilation. And we have been unknowingly following their agenda and influence ever since. In the past, they were hidden, but in 1982, the fraternity adopted a policy of limited and selective publicity. But they were still widely a secret to many. They do have a website, though. You see, they are hidden in plain sight. The Divine Nine, the other black Greek letter organizations that followed after them, became their tools of recruitment. And so you normally will not see a member of the Boule that is not a member of these fraternities and sororities. The Divine Nine, fraternities and sororities, are just a low-hanging fruit. And most of the frat and sorority members just don't know this or understand any of it. But it needs to be discussed. Here are some of the most notable members of the Boule. Like I've already noted, Michael King, W.E.B. Du Bois, Thurgood Marshall, Jesse Jackson, Bill Cosby, Tom Joyner, Arthur Ashe, Eric Holder, John Lewis, Kwesi Mfume, Robert Johnson, the founder of BET. There are many names. On their website, they say, its past as well as its present members have been and are leaders in the struggle for civil rights, social justice, economic and educational equality, and in the implementation of public policy and healthcare initiatives that aid our underserved communities. Each member is committed to upholding the principles upon which the fraternity was founded and thereby enriching the lives of our citizens. Each member strives to enhance the brilliance of its beacon light. Its over 100 year history is a testament to determination, dedication, and a commitment to excellence. Now for me, my rule of thumb is, anywhere there are prominent professional blacks, chances are they're in the boule. So then I look to see if they're part of a Greek letter fraternity. And if they are, I pay closer attention. They are very secretive, so everyone attached is not known. But they are the true gatekeepers of black America and should never be ignored. It must be at this time, as we are about to enter into this new world order that they have also helped promote and set the stage for, that they are understood and their influence examined. You have to understand, this is nothing you can stop or change. This is not information for us to stop their organization or those like them. The main part of understanding this information is to see how controlled this matrix is and understand why it is necessary to be set apart from it. I'm confident that if you are not a believer or strong in your belief, you may likely say, so what am I to do with this information? But the answer is very simple 
for a true believer in Yahshua, the Messiah. The reason is simple is because it's something we should do regardless if you know this information or not. And that is to be holy and set apart. I have been making videos trying to display how tainted and controlled this world really is. Looking at the symbols video, you should see how many satanic symbols are lingering in our society. When exposing the matrix, it should be easy to see how much control these people have had over our world. I really want you to understand how deep this all goes, because for most of us that do self-reflection, we can pinpoint exactly where in time we were sucked into this world and its agenda. And most of the time, it links back to these men and these organizations. The goal is to show you how polluted this world is and how little control you have in it. We have been guided and directed to believe in and take part in a system that we have been manipulated to accept. This world has given us heroes that were in secret our enemies, and they have made enemies out of people that were our heroes. They have been working and guiding us into accepting their coming new world order and their false messiah. And if you don't want to feel the ultimate consequence of following them down this broad path that leads to destruction, you need to come out of Babylon and be separate. When I have said I don't vote, people came against me, not understanding how deep these people were in the system trying to steer us and actually wanting to vote. In my hospital room and said, John, don't worry, we will make it from Stalmont to Montgomery and the voting rights act will be passed. Many that I try to explain this to said they still participate and vote in the system because the older generations fought for this right. But the truth is that after you do this research, you see that our older generations were just manipulated and me not participating is trying to remove my blood from their iniquities. Father's holy word tells us, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. These people are unbelievers. They are knowingly working for the enemy of our faith. They are agents of darkness masquerading as agents of light. They are promoters of lawlessness. We should not be in communion with them. But sometimes it's hard for this mentality to be understood if you have not really been exposed to this information. But in this time, before the wheat are separated from the tares, Father is giving us all a chance to repent and choose our side. And he is allowing you to be informed of what has been done in darkness. But it's up to you to choose. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Yahshua the Messiah, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Much of what we do and how we live today has been manipulated by agents of darkness, promoting their God of this world to us. Just because you see things are labeled as a black agenda, doesn't actually mean that it's good for you. Just because we were slaves and treated as half a person does not mean that we must seek equality from the same people who did the oppressing. The only reason they are showing another side right now is because they are using us and they want to tie us to their fate. This is not a black or white issue, though this agenda has been heavily marketed to the black community. This is a very spiritual issue that has been covered and masqueraded by Satan through an illusion of race but it is so much deeper than skin color. That's another subject. The bottom line is that you need to make a decision on whose path you are on, whose agenda you are fighting for and following. 
There is a civil rights agenda that is on par with Michael King's dream that is tied with the promised land of a new world order. That has to be discussed deeper. And there is the actual promise of our father in heaven to be in his kingdom and be in full fellowship with him as he establishes his new Jerusalem and takes away all unrighteousness on this earth. These organizations we discussed have been acting like we all are on the same goal when we are not. There are not many paths. There are two paths in this road and you need to decide which one you're going to go down. This information was given to you so you can see what has been hidden from you. In the end, it is up to you the path you choose. It is time to get on the narrow path and follow our savior and not be steered by this world. It's time for you to choose now. What will you choose? Make sure you choose our father in heaven and be ready for him because the time is almost up on all these lies and illusions. Come out of Babylon today, her ways and mindsets, and be redeemed. The time for your decision is now. Be blessed. So family, just as the last one, I really truly hope this blessed you, kind of shine some light on really what's going on in the, um, as they say, the underbelly um, of our community. Um, again, some of you may be uh, in some of uh, a fraternity, a sorority. Uh, some of you may be Freemasons that's listening to this. Do not be offended by the information. <clears throat> okay. Uh, do your own research. Look it up. And then if you truly, truly say that you believe in the scriptures, in the Bible, in the, in the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you have a choice to make. As Joshua said, if it is evil for, to, if it's evil for you to serve our God, Elohim, uh, uh, don't serve them then. So go ahead and serve those other guys that our ancestors served on the other side of the Jordan. But if it is good for you, Serve our Elohim, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You need to put aside all of the idols. You need to denounce all other affiliations and oaths that you have taken, uh, whether that's the, 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 the fraternal order of police, whether that's an alpha, a kappa, um, an omega, an aka, a, 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 a SG row, a delta, whatever it is, you need to denounce those things. And, and put all of your time, energy, effort, and all of your alliance, all of your trust, um, all of everything that you believe in, back, uh, into the scriptures, into the scriptures. That the only oath that you make, the only covenant that you make is with the Elohim that created this world. The Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, the Elohim of Jacob. The one and true Elohim. None can be compared to him. None is like him. None beside him. Not in heaven or on earth. Yahuwah. Our Elohim. So, uh, again, y'all be blessed. I hope this information uh, continues to bless you all. Uh, but I got to go. So, as always, keep it 98 plus 2. Seek the truth. Live it out. Inform others. Shalom, family. Shalom, family.